the World Games 2022. What is it? Why does it matter? Well, I uh, gotta say, even before we get into the show, it's a really big deal. I mean, this is right under the Olympics. It's gonna be right here in Birmingham, uh, Birmingham metro area. Very big deal that Alabama is getting this. We're gonna bring the CEO of the World Games 2022 on, Nick Sellers, to tell us all about it, all the different games, all the different celebrities, and everything else that's gonna be involved uh, in the next 10 days or so. Uh, you'll want to tune in and check it out. You're being lied to more than any generation in the history of the world. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. We want to have good journalism that lasts. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. Got a great episode for you guys today. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of the podcast, joined by my fabulous co-host, Mr. Ray Mellick. Ray, how you doing? <laughs> Good, Brian. How are you? Man, I'm doing really well. It is it's Tuesday. Exciting, it feels yeah. like Monday. I was going to say, it's an exciting week here, though, for yeah. Birmingham. I mean, not only winning a USFL championship, but now the World Games and excited at what we're going to be talking about today. It's really incredible and all made possible by the protective stadium, I assume. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the stuff we'll talk with Nick Sellers here in a minute to join us and, and uh uh, talk about the transformation of downtown. He's had a, a, a big say in that, so that'll be good. That's awesome. Well, and as uh, Ray just alluded to there, uh, joining us uh, is the the CEO of the World Games 2022, uh, Mr. Nick Sellers. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. Good to be with you. Ray, good to be with you, my friend. It's been a while. Yes, sir. Well, um, this is really big news. This is big news for Alabama, big news uh, for Birmingham. Certainly, I think most people have at least got caught some kind of wind uh, of, of what's it's going been, on. We hope so. It's been um, a long know. time coming and signs up over overpasses and everywhere. So you can't escape the fact that the World Games is here and starting this week. Yeah, That's right. Well, before we jump in real quick, uh, as always, we tell you um, to find our podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Go there, uh, subscribe, click the bell to make sure you get notifications for all of the content that we put out when we publish it. Um, leave a five-star review. Tell everyone how much you love the podcast because we know you do. Also, go to 1819news.com. Press the subscribe button in the at the top bar there. Uh, give us your email address. That way we're getting all of our news to you, all of our opinions, and all the podcasts delivered to your inbox every morning at 745. Um, it's our morning edition way of delivering you all the information you need to stay informed. And so from there, we'll jump right in. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, Nick, um, before we even get into the World Games, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're the CEO of the World Games, but that's obviously a, uh, a seasonal or at least a, a decadal event, right? <laughs> Depending on how long you've been working on it. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, all that. Yeah, this thing's over uh, by the end of July, other than a little bit of cleanup. So that title goes away. My yeah. My, my normal day job has been working with Alabama Power Company. I've been there for about 20 years. I've worked in sports and politics uh, in and around it for most of my professional career. Grew up in Birmingham, moved away to California in high school and college, and then uh, came back after college and ran into a girl I hadn't seen since elementary school. And that was the rest is history, man. I've been, been back since 1997, lived in Montgomery for a little bit, worked under two governors um, and uh, lived in Mobile with Alabama Power. But uh, Birmingham, this whole state is very special to me, and it's been exciting to be a part of, of this special moment with the World Games. That's awesome. So tell us, what is the World Games? I know when we first talked a couple of years ago um, when we were discussing this, I, I, I didn't know what it was. And so it, apparently it's a big deal. It probably gets overshadowed <laughs> by the Olympics a little bit. But talk, talk to us a little bit about what is the World Games. 
Yeah, I feel a little bit like Ron Burgundy in Anchorman uh, when he says, <laughs> you don't know me, do you? We're kind of a big deal. Um, no, the World Games is part of the Olympic movement, guys. I mean, it's uh, it's been around for 40 years. It's celebrating its 11th edition. It's been all over the world. First time back in the U.S. since its inception in 1981 in Santa Clara, California. In short, we define the World Games as the new generation of global sports. But there's about 100 international sport federations that fly under the support, the patronage of the International Olympic Committee. And about 36 to 38 of those end up on the official Summer Olympic program. Uh, 25 to 30 are on the Winter Olympic program. The next up, so to speak, the new generation, the fastest growing international sports in the world are the ones that make their way to the World Games program. And, and so if this is sort of the proving ground for the, for the Olympics. Many of these sports will be back and forth as invitational sports to the Olympics, like karate and softball, um, sport climbing, break dancing. Believe it or not, those, the, those two sports right there, break dancing and sport climbing, this is the last time they're in the, the World Games. They'll be in the Paris Summer Olympics and in the LA 28 Summer Olympics. So these are of the sports that, um, like lacrosse, like parkour, uh, that are Muay Thai and kickboxing that ultimately could find their way onto the summer Olympic program. And candidly, that's why the NFL, as an example, are the presenting sponsor of men's and women's flag football during the world games. They, they are, the NFL has offices in eight countries. Now they're advancing the cause of American football around the world. It's a growth engine for them. Um, but it also helps bring a new audience with women's flag football. As you know, girls flag football is becoming a real thing in, in all over the country, but certainly in the South, it's a, an exciting sport. And uh, many of the NFL top brass will be here for the World Games. They want to make it a summer Olympic sport by the time the Olympics are in Los Angeles in 2028. Wow. That's pretty wild. Uh, Nick, let's go back to, uh, you know, when this first started, uh, people, oh, come on, Birmingham's not going to get the World Games. You know, Birmingham wasn't going to get the Olympics either in 96, and we didn't get the Olympics, but we got part of it. But you've really had to fight to, to almost overcome a perception of some of us locals that we're just not going to get this, you know, we're at this world stage. If you would kind of talk about fighting that and getting this here to Birmingham and what it's done for, for the world opinion of the city. Yeah, Ray, you know this community very well. You've reported on and been involved in and had a front row seat to, to sports in this area and in the state of Alabama uh, for many, many years. And I think you appreciate this. I know your viewers and listeners will appreciate this. Birmingham communities can kind of define themselves by big events that have happened in their past. And for better, or for worse, Birmingham sort of chased Atlanta and Nashville and Charlotte and Jacksonville. And we had a bit of an inferiority complex for a while to Atlanta. They got the dome, they got Hartsville airport, you know, Atlanta did all these things and we just couldn't seem to get past um, some of the struggles in our, in our, in the sixties, frankly, this is the civil rights thing. I mean, it, we were balkanized. We've got a whole bunch of different cities all in Jefferson County, 36 different cities. Um, and so getting everybody on the same page has been a challenge. I can remember back in 1996, we had Olympic soccer mm -hmm. right after that, we tried to build a dome stadium. And if you'll recall Richard Scrushy and Dr. Lemack, these guys were going to buy the Minnesota Vikings and bring them here, but we could never get everybody on the same page. About a decade ago, things started to change slowly. You know, there's a tipping point where all of a sudden you think, wow, a lot of good stuff's happening, but it takes a long time, frankly, uh, behind the scenes to get there. 
leadership started to change. We got this young mayor named Randall Woodfin who's really reaching out uh, to regional mayors. Frank Brocato, the mayor of Hoover, is reaching back, and Mayor of Gardendale, Mountain Brook. They're all working together. And when the BJCC made a commitment, and UAB football, frankly, was the hood ornament for this sort of phoenix rising of getting the community to believe in ourselves, we built this protective stadium. We talked about a dome stadium for decades around here. It wasn't the right thing to do. Um, and building protective kind of get, get in this city walk, this new investment of everything happening underneath 2059 Interstate with beer and wine gardens and dog parks and all this fun stuff has given us a bit of confidence. And these World Games, I think, will be a big moment to showcase, man, we can do big things. We can host big international events. And I think it'll grow confidence. It's, it's like a relationship, man. You can't get someone to love you if you don't love yourself. Yeah. And we're certainly far from perfect, but I think we got the wind at our back, man. We're playing downhill right now. We're working together and and hopefully coming out of these games, if they are the success that I believe they will be, um, we'll, it, it will, it'll build confidence to do more sports and entertainment in this area. We're not, we're not a major league franchise town, but with the USFL, we haven't been historically with the USFL, with the Legion, with all these other things starting to happen. I think we're proving that we can do big events and do them well. Yeah, the Garth Brooks concert was a, a shining example of that, I think. Uh, probably the greatest entertainer, at least in my lifetime, uh, to come here, and he fell in love with it and the people and everything else. So I think that was really cool. Yeah, and it has been uh, uptown. I mean, I had a good friend that had, had gone to school here, moved away, came back and said, hey, you know, I need to go to a restaurant. I said, well, you ought to go downtown. You know, you need to go to uptown. They went, oh, man, come on, uptown downtown Birmingham is not a safe place to be. I said, man, you hadn't been there in 10 years. This is a completely different downtown. And I do give mayor, former mayor bell a little credit. He talked about that, that living room mentality. We've you. got to have a living room to get people to come into the city. And I think that the world games has certainly benefited and been a part of uh, a rebirth, if you will, of, of the living room of Birmingham. Yeah. Mayor bell, you're right. He doesn't get enough credit for doing a lot of those things behind the scenes that kind of set the stage for Mayor Woodfin to really kind of help yeah. take it to the next level. Talk about just the infrastructure. I want to go to the games in a minute, but as you pointed out, the cooperation, a lot of these games are going to be played all over the area, not just Birmingham. We've seen some major infrastructure changes, improvements that needed to be done. If you could, just that that impact of what the World Games has brought to Jefferson County in this part of Alabama. Yeah, sometimes you need a, a, a leverage point. You need a big event or something to look forward to to get things done in a community that you know need to get done. Frankly, just some basic things like getting all the lights on the interstate to work again, <laughs> cleaning up the oh, off-ramps and on-ramps, you know, onto Red Mountain Expressway. That is indeed the gateway to Birmingham coming from the airport. Sprucing up the airport. I mean, it was a yeah. almost $10 million investment if you've seen the airport lately, man. It's, it's impressive. It'll make you proud. It'll make you proud of what kind of where we're going. Um, and I think to the greatest extent, we tried to leverage these world games and, and an international moment. But this is a chance for the world to see the investments we're making, to see that Birmingham is becoming a really great place to live and, and work and raise a family. And we tried to use that, uh, the world games to happen. But uh, Protective Stadium in Uptown, as you say, uh, has been a big feather in our cap. And candidly, guys, if there's a silver lining of the pandemic, it's that it gave us another year for these things to come online. We wouldn't have had them um, if the World Games had been in 2021 as they were previously scheduled to be. So having that is a big, big deal. Um, and these World Games, unlike the Olympics, they use existing venues to the greatest extent. So 
like sumo wrestling and Muay Thai and kickboxing at Batwell Auditorium. You won't, you wouldn't recognize Batwell, man. I mean, it's had, we put a lot of makeup on her and she looks good. <laughs> you wouldn't recognize Avondale Park. I mean, my gosh, when I went out there two or three months ago, I, I told my team, I was like, fellas, we're going to have to move it. I mean, there's just no way we can have archery and have the best archers in the world shooting across this pond with what, what, what's happening. But the city all joined in together with friends of Avondale Park. They jointly did a public-private partnership and gave that park an incredible facelift with munchies and all the cool stuff happening around Avondale. It's going to be a great place to have some fun and watch some incredible athletes um, compete for gold and, and archery. Um, and there's some cool storylines there. That I can say that across the area, guys. Uh, Crossplex is having a, a bit of a facelift as well. Railroad Park is going to look fantastic. We took Sloss Furnaces and turned it into what will be the world's biggest sports party for two weekends. The first weekend is parkour and break dancing. Um, and parkour is this these acrobats that are jumping, you know, over all these obstacles and doing crazy things. It's it's uh, kind of an extreme sport. And then the next weekend of the World Games is beach handball and sport climbing. You'll see the fastest sport climber in the world. He'll 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 probably break another world record here. He broke it on this wall um, last year, and he's supposed to be like the human Spider-Man. And then beach handball is this cross between volleyball and soccer, um, and they do these acrobatic shots on the beach. Uh, go figure that the Brazilian women's team is ranked number one in the world. They're really good at this. <laughs> They'll be fun to watch. Uh, but, you know, just doing things like at Sloss Furnaces and at Powell Avenue Steam Plant, you know, that thing was shut down and could have been left for dead. And, and uh, But now the power company is reinvesting. It's going to be a huge movie theater and retail space. And the parking lot is where we're going to have inline roller speed skating. Um, and and th this is a full contact sport. These athletes get knocked off the edge. It's going to be totally wild to watch. But it'll be in the heart of downtown. Awesome. And the facilities will stay on. I mean, a lot of this improvement, obviously, we will be able to benefit for years and decades to come. That's a great point. Yes. So these investments and, and the big thing is for city walk, man, that yeah. if, if people haven't seen what's going to happen down there, there's pickleball courts, there's skate, there's a skate park, one of the nicest in the Southeast. I'm told um, there's going to be beer and wine gardens that stay long after these games, food trucks. It's really going to be a place when we have big events to just have a huge city street party um, and a place to bring your family. We've got to keep it up. We've got to make sure that we invest yeah. in it and keep it clean. The BJCC is going to have the contract to run that facility for big conventions and trade shows and sporting events, so they will manage it. And and I think they're going to do a really good job with that. Well, you alluded a little bit, a uh, <clears throat> little bit ago about storylines. Uh, I know uh, I've heard you talk a little bit about it the other day when we were in Hoover um, from Indian lacrosse, the softball gold medal story. Tell us about some of the storylines that we should be keeping an eye on. Yeah, some really cool ones, man. Um, you know, the, the first is, as we mentioned in lacrosse, there is a Native American tribe in the Northeast U.S. and in Canada. They were named by the, by the um, French as the Iroquois Nation, but their true name is Haudenosaunee Nation. They're the founders of lacrosse. I had no idea. They're ranked third in the world. Um, they are among the top teams always in lacrosse. Some of the best pro Premier League lacrosse players um, are, are Haudenosaunee Nation uh, players, but they weren't going to be allowed to compete because they're not recognized as a sovereign nation under the rules of the Olympic Committee. 
And there was a huge outcry across the world in the lacrosse community for this. We decided to work with them. We believed in, in, the, in their effort. We worked with World Lacrosse and the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee and the Canadian Olympic Committee. We all made a petition and the World Games Association and the Olympic Committee approved allowing them to have an exemption from the sovereign nation rule. Here's the only challenge. The top eight teams had already been seated. And in an unbelievable display of sportsmanship, guys, the men's Irish lacrosse team, who were ranked eighth, they voluntarily withdrew from these World Games so that the Haudenosaunee team could take their rightful place among the top eight teams. They won a Stan Musial Award on CBS for that sportsmanship. We are flying in the leaders of the men's Irish lacrosse team to recognize that before the first match of the Haudenosaunee's against Canada. Uh, it's just got to be really cool. Then you mentioned um, women's lacrosse. I mean, excuse me, women's softball. The team USA, the women's uh, USA team, they lost in the final inning to Japan in the Tokyo Olympics. Remember, no fans were allowed in the Tokyo Olympics. But Haley McClenney, who's from Mortimer Jordan High School, she's a four-time All-American at Alabama. She's team captain. She was the star of the Tokyo Olympics, and we lost in the final inning. She's back to avenge that gold medal loss. She's bringing along another Alabama great, Montana Fouts, the pitcher, the ace pitcher from Alabama, and eight other ladies who have competed in Southeastern Conference softball, and they will hope to avenge that gold medal loss at the Hoover Met. It's going to be a huge storyline. I think that'll sell out for the gold medal round, especially if it's USA-Japan in a rematch. That's just two of them. I mean, there's a, there's a guy competing in karate that literally weeks ago was defending his country against the Russian invasion, a Ukrainian. He's the, he is the president and the head, the captain of the Ukrainian karate team, um, and he's going to hopefully win gold medal here. He kept training while he was defending his, his city. Um, he was able to continue training. He's made it here. Stanislav is his last name, and, and he has won Olympic medals. He's won World Games medals, and hopefully he will look to win a gold medal here. It's going to be a really cool storyline. What are, what are some of the, you know, one of the things we, we've talked about, uh, unusual sports, and you, you brought up a couple of them with climbing. Uh, what's that actually called? The par, uh, sport climbing. Yeah, sport climbing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but there are a six-story wall, guys, in five seconds. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, there's, so there's sports like this that people are kind of, what? You know, what are yeah. some of the other unusual sort of sports that, that people have a chance to see? Well, believe it or not, drone racing, which has a professional yeah. drone racing league on NBC, will uh, will have its competition in Protective Stadium at night. And all I can tell you is I, what I've seen um, in the rehearsals and kind of the early practices is this thing is like a 4D immersive experience. It's high um, intensity. It's got a lot of music. And you watch these and these drone racers talk smack to each other before they uh, they go out in their competition. And the drones are flying over the top of you and through these LED tunnels. It's very cool. That's that's one sport that's a little different. Um, there are several. I mean, I, I mentioned that that beach handball, the kickboxing and Muay Thai, I think will be new and different for the area. Um, there are gymnastic sports that are not on the Olympic program, but these are elite level gymnastics. Um, and these gymnasts will do acrobat tumbling. These are the ones that are literally doing double trampolines and jumping, you know, I mean, really high in the air and doing all kinds of different acrobatic acts while they jump. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then the inline speed, speed skating, I think will be something that people want to see as well. Um, there's some CrossFit type competitions at um, the Crossplex. One is called fin swimming and then life saving. The fastest human ever recorded 
has this fin on their feet. It's like a like a mermaid uh, kind of a race. They have a huge wake uh, on the side of them when they compete. I think probably one of the coolest, though, is to get out to Barber Motorsports Park for a, a sport called canopy piloting. These extreme athletes go up in a helicopter. You'll watch them go up. You watch them free fall out of the helicopter. They pop a parachute just hundreds of feet before the ground. Uh, they have to drag a foot across a water runway that we have built um, at Barber Motorsports Park and land at a precision point. And man, it is just wild when they miss uh, that when they miss their landing. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I think families will enjoy seeing that. It's an extreme sport, um, and it's something that it's, we've never seen in Birmingham. We, you brought up something, uh, Nick, you probably weren't in town. Back in the 80s, we actually hosted the World Trampoline Championship at the Civic Center. I, I remember covering that because the Soviet Union was still the Soviet Union and they had a team here. But there's there's trampoline components to some of the gymnastics, or is it actually a trampoline competition that the World Games has? It's double trampoline and, and individual trampoline. Yeah. So there's those components to it. And um, I'm telling you, it's like watching – I mean – this is going to be like going to the circus of sports. I mean, you will th- see when you, when you went to the circus as a kid, you were like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be wild. Um, those are the types of things I think you'll experience here. Now there are some sports like bowling where we'll build an eight lane bolt. We built an eight lane bowling alley inside the BJCC. You'll see some of the best bowlers in the world. There's a professional bowling league. It's they, these guys talk smack against each other. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Billiards. Obviously we know what to expect there. Um, water ski jumping and wakeboarding at Oak Mountain. Yeah. I mean, these, these water ski jumpers will be jumping over 100 yards. Uh, they're jumping a football field in the air. Wow. And, uh, again, very affordable to, to get out there and watch that. And then trick wakeboarding. Um, uh, there's some of the best in the world that are right here in the southeast that will be competing for gold. A young lady from the University of Alabama um, will be on the water ski team here that will be competing for gold. Um, so truly, man, there's, there's really something for everybody. Wow. Well, a little bit of a gear shift. So I remember, oh, I don't know, maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was six months ago. Everything blends together. I was, um, I don't get starstruck. I talk to a lot of, you know, big name people with what I do for a living, but I'm walking into Bricktops. As I'm walking into Bricktops, I look over, I'm like, man, that looks like Randy Owen. I'm a huge Alabama fan, right? (laughs) Probably the biggest Alabama fan on the planet. Physically, anyway. yeah, yeah, physically, yeah. <laughs> All the, anyway, but a uh, hu- huge fan, um, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way that's Randy Owen, you know. And so I go in, and I'm meeting a group of people there, and um, we're talking or whatever. And I asked the lady, the, the 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 hostess, I said, is that is that Randy Owen? She's like, I have no idea. She was young, and I'm like, well, that makes sense. So they end up sitting my group right next to the table that you were at. Uh, with Randy Owen and I was so starstruck one of the ladies that I was meeting there pulled her chair out and I sat down in her chair and she's like oh I I guess you can just have my seat and I was you know looking at Randy's just starstruck so um, obviously that's a really big deal um, to be able to get the the Alabama not just the band Alabama but just Alabama centered musicians and uh, things like that what are some other you know big name stories or or first of all what is what was Randy Owen doing in town and then what are some other uh, stories like that yeah, you know, man, I, I wish I could, I should have chronicled all of this stuff um, when it was happening because some of it just happens in real time. And when it's over, you're like, did that just happen? This is surreal. <laughs> but during the pandemic, um, we, we, we knew that most people would know what opening ceremony would be. They, most people are familiar with the Olympics and opening ceremony and closing ceremony. But we made the decision that we were going to do something a little different because generally you don't see a lot of big name 
artists, maybe one perform in an Olympic opening ceremony. But we got a lot of great musicians from the state of Alabama. And unfortunately, we don't have all of them, but we have many of them on our program for opening and closing ceremony. And it's not like a concert. They, they are there underpinning a whole story. I mean, this elaborate 90-minute Super Bowl halftime show for opening and closing ceremony. And there was nobody better, because I like you, man, I grew up on the band Alabama. Uh, my kids can tell you, if we ever get to the lake and we get on a boat, they know what, this, what dad's going to be playing first. It's Alabama's number ones. It's Alabama's greatest hits. It's mountain music. If you're going to play in Texas, my home's in Alabama. Uh, Lady Down on Love, all of them. And so I was starstruck too, Brian. I mean, we <laughs> we reached out to him through a mutual friend. He was the kindest, coolest, down to earth, most down-to-earth guy. We did a Zoom call in the middle of the pandemic. He got to meet Dr. Henry Panyon, who is the music director for these World Games. They hit it off. That's one of the most – that's one of the coolest things, honestly, to see two guys – you know, uh, uh, in their 60s and 70s, shaped by very different experiences. Dr. Payne is African-American. Randy comes from, you know, up on the Sand Mountain. Um, they have become, when I tell you best friends, like Randy and Kelly Owen, when they come down to see Dr. Payne, they bring fresh vegetables from their garden. Dr. Payne sending them stuff, you know, I mean, they, <laughs> it's just so cool. And he really got into it. He loves Alabama. He wanted to make a difference. He got his daughter, Allison, involved. They co-wrote a song with Dr. Panyon called Hope of Alabama. And, and we used Randy's star celebrity and, frankly, the respect that he's got in the industry to go get so many other acts to join in, including on opening ceremonies, Sarah Evans, um, Pastor Mike J., Yolanda Adams, Nelly, the, the American Idols. And then in closing ceremony, Alabama will perform again. But this time we've got Jamie Johnson and the uh, the oh, country wow. music star and the Blind Boys. Jamie Johnson, you know, he's from Montgomery. He worked at O'Neill Steel here. Such a fantastic guy. One night they had a Zoom call where he was laying down his vocal tracks for Hope of Alabama. And um, I was at home. Dr. Panyon was, was at his house. We all had a cracked a beer and Jamie was in his studio. And I just got to watch him on Zoom lay down his vocals. I mean, it was the. I, I kept I would hold my phone so that he couldn't see it well, but I was recording all this cool stuff with Jamie Johnson, you know, just saying, nah, cut that, let's work on it. I don't like my sound on that one. It was just, you know, so neat. But then we got Lionel Richie to come back home, thanks to Randy as well. Uh, they, you know, Deep River Woman was a cool crossover song long before it was cool to see um, hip-hop or pop artists singing with country artists. Uh, those guys sort of pioneered it early on. Frankly, before Ebony and Ivory was a thing with Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, these guys, you know, Deep River Woman was winning Grammys um, in the early 80s. And so those guys have a lot of respect for each other. I think Lionel's getting a little nostalgic. Uh, his parents have passed. He's got a home in Tuskegee that he's redoing that were his parents' home, you know, his, his, where he was raised. And for him to come back home and perform in this moment, he's going to close it out during closing ceremony, singing his greatest hits from all night long to dancing on the ceiling. He'll sing some with Randy and the band Alabama. It's just going to be so cool guys. It's really going to be a fun moment. And th this just kind of built on itself. You know, we didn't, we started with Randy Owen, Randy helped us a few places. And then, and then it just now more and more people wanted to be involved with it, but the opening ceremony and closing, they will blow you away. They're going to be, the stage takes up the entire end zone. It's going to be something we've never seen in Birmingham. That's incredible. Very cool. Very cool. And so for you, I know this has been several years worth of nonstop. Will you actually get to stop and enjoy stuff now? Or are you still like, like a mom worried about every step that that baby world games takes over the next few weeks? 
It's a little bit of both, Ray. I mean, right now, as we're getting everyone here, getting all of our dignitaries, we've got ambassadors and consul generals, leaders of countries from over 45, 50 nations who are literally on their way to Birmingham right now and getting them in their hotel rooms, making sure we've got their gifts for them and we're giving them their credentials. We're making them feel our Southern hospitality. They've got drivers set up to pick them up the airport, all those little touches that we're trying to do. Uh, making sure the athletes, we took a page out of Gene Hallman's playbook that he does at the region's tradition, but in both athlete villages, we've got barbers to give them free haircuts. We've, we're doing, uh, they've got manicure, pedicures if they need them. There's actually tattoo artists. These, these athletes, I didn't know this, but when they compete, they like to get a tattoo. Many of them from the country that, or, or the event they competed in. And we'll have tattoo artists there if they want to get a Birmingham or a world games logo while they're in town. But 3,600 athletes are competing from over 100 countries. It's just it's, it's amazing that this is all going to be here in Birmingham. Once opening ceremony gets here, I really have, and my, and my wife Julie and I have talked about this, I'm just going to take a moment to breathe and try to be <laughs> in the moment and just appreciate this incredible team of over 100 people, some many volunteers that have all come together to, to put this show on and to try to show off Birmingham to the world. That's awesome. Kind of on that note, and maybe we can um, roll out on that, but we touched on it a little bit early on in the podcast, but what does it mean? I mean, for, for Birmingham to get this, for Alabama, because typically the, the, the world reputation of Alabama, even the national reputation of Alabama, the only thing that they remember is like church bombings and people getting fire hosed by the state troopers and Edmund Pettus Bridge and that's kind of what we're known about. Like when kids go through school in say Oregon or Kansas or something, they're not talking about the good things in Alabama. If Alabama is referenced at all, it has something to do with civil rights. So um, talk, talk about um, what a big deal this is for us to have the opportunity um, to almost, is it rebrand maybe um, Alabama and Birmingham to the rest of the country and the rest of the world? That's exactly what it is, Brian. That's you, you, you've nailed it. I mean, there's, it's, it's not often that a city or a community has an opportunity to help the world reimagine what, what it is and to reintroduce itself in a pretty special way over 10 days on the global stage. We'll be on the Olympic Channel and we'll be broadcast on linear broadcast. And we'll, the linear broadcast will be in over 60 countries, but it'll be globally everywhere with the Olympic Channel. We're broadcast domestically on CBS Network, two one-hour specials at the beginning and the end, well-produced specials. And then every night will be the best of highlights of the day of all of the sport competitions on CBS Sports Network. Man, that's just, the obviously the USFL really helped us this fall with, with Fox and what they did. Um, and they did a tremendous job. I think this will help even more. And to your point, you know, I, I have said this in speeches before, to the extent people think about Birmingham outside of the Southeast, they probably think about us in black and white. And I'm not talking about race, like black and white TV images, but this is an opportunity, hopefully, to, to redefine ourselves. And I, I hope and what we're trying to portray is that this is a progressive city that um, is embracing its in, its diversity. It's kind of coming of age, so to speak. It's taking its rightful place among progressive southeastern cities. It's um, a great place to host events because they've got incredible cuisine. If you're a foodie, you've got to get to Birmingham. Yeah. It's becoming a medical capital of the South, and a lot of young people are coming here as entrepreneurs to start their business. More and more people are moving downtown. That's the image we want to portray, a city that's on the move. It's not perfect, but it's dang 
a lot better than it used to be, and, and it's going in the right direction. That's great. Yeah, I, I have to say it, it's my. I've got a son in the Marine Corps up in in uh, Camp Lejeune, and and watching the USFL and the commercials that were being played, he's almost like. Dad, what town is this? You know, they did, and the World Games is going to do that as well. And I, I'm really, you know, I, I didn't grow up here, but I've been here most of my life now. My family raised here, and again, I just think the the, the changing of this of the of Birmingham itself of what it's become is really a great story. And I'm I'm excited, Nick, for what you've done, what the World Games are doing to really put that out there. How do people still get tickets? You know, what do they need to do to come watch this stuff? Get around to the and and I maybe the first question is. How difficult it's going to be to get around Birmingham over the next couple of weeks? I know roads have been closed. Give us some tips, just practical tips on travel. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we'll talk about that first, and then I'll talk about tickets. Um, this is a SEER 1 level of federal security event. Uh, out of 40,000 events that the Department of Homeland Security reviews every year, about 6 to 10 of them get a SEER 1 rating. Boston Marathon, the Super Bowl, the National Football Championship – um, and the World Games is one of them this year. It has great benefits, but with great benefits generally come some level of burden. Um, and in this day and age, man, with everything going on around the country and around the world, it seems like every day there is something that, you know, was worrisome or some event. We just saw Chicago yesterday. I think I think that the general public now is willing to accept that, okay, we've got to have clear bags. We've got to go through magnetometers. You know, we've got to do some things to ensure safety. And that's what you'll see. There is a secure perimeter around a good part of the BJCC area, Batwell Auditorium, Sheridan and Weston hotels. If you want to, and I hope everybody, there's about 2,500, 2,300 tickets left opening ceremony. I hope this thing is that it's totally sold out um, about the same to closing ceremony. If you want to be a part of a very special moment, you want to get your tickets at TWG2022.com for opening and closing and all the events. You can buy them by day, by sport, um, or by session. Pick an event that you want to go see. And if you enjoy it, you know, uh, and you can walk up. Uh, we'll make it very easy with a QR code to get your tickets right there um, at the event. Outside of the downtown area, it will be pretty easy to get around. But if you're going to opening and closing ceremony, if you're going to gymnastics, parkour, billiards, um, and bowling, or anything in Boutwell, sumo, which is sold out, um, Muay Thai and kickboxing, you can drive yourself. You'll have to park anywhere 6th Avenue north or south of there, and it's about a three to four block walk. Um, and you can walk straight into the safety perimeter, but if you go into any of the venues, you have to go through magnetometers. Or you can park anywhere 13th Avenue north and beyond. So, you know, you're sort of getting into the um, – uh, Titus, not Titusville, the Norwood area and, and other parts, there is an 1,800 parking spot deck. It's called the Blue Deck, Blue Lot, um, right about a block from Protective Stadium. It's probably $20 uh, to park there or less, but it's very convenient, very close to, to do that. I would suggest everybody ride the line. This is a brand new thing that we've done just for these World Games, and it's a proving ground. Guys, it's not going to be perfect, but I think it's going to be something that everybody will want to take advantage of. There's four separate lines, a red, a blue, a green, and a yellow, um, and or excuse me, orange. And these lines are totally free, and they will run all the time throughout the World Games. They're, what they allow, they're, they're shuttles. You could you can park in Soho and, and Homewood and ride the red line all the way down 20th Street. It'll drop you off right at the 
front door to the party at the World Games Plaza, the the um, blue line will take you from essentially Legion Field right to the party zone. You can park at Legion Field. That's where our volunteers will use those as well. It has two stops. The green line is where a lot of people are going to want to use. Railroad Park, Lakeview, 2nd Avenue Restaurant District, um, Sloss Furnace Area. You can park anywhere around there. Jump on the green line. Every five to ten minutes, the shuttle will take you right to the front door, drop you off. When you're ready to leave, there'll be shuttles waiting on you. They're air-conditioned, very nice. We've contracted with some of the best uh, bus shuttle providers in the country to handle this. They'll have video screens giving you information, and they'll take you right back to your car. So we're trying to make it easy and fun. This is something that big cities do to handle big events. Um, and along the way, we'll have learnings. We'll have to correct things along the way. But there's 60 buses alone, bus shuttles alone, on the green line. So we're going to make it really easy for people to park around Railroad Park or Lakeview, jump on this thing, go to the sporting events, come right back to your car. Right. You said <clears throat> TWG2022.com. Yeah, TWG2022.com to learn more about Ride the Line, where to go to to, uh, to park your car and jump on any of those shuttle stops, and to get your tickets. Uh, and I would tell you guys, outside of downtown, Oak Mountain, Hoover Met, Barber Motorsports Park, Crossplex, UAB, there's plenty, Avondale, plenty of parking in and around the area. You may have to walk a block or two, um, but there's plenty of parking around there to go to these sporting events. Have a great time. It's going to be safe. Bring your families. This unified command has got FBI, Homeland Security, Secret Service, and all these municipalities um, that are all working together to ensure that this is as safe as possible for our families. Incredible. Well, uh, I want to encourage our followers, our listeners, to to definitely go out um, if you're close to Birmingham or even if you're not. I mean, there's going to be people coming from all over the world, uh, all over the southeast. Um, so, you know, even if you aren't necessarily in the Birmingham area, I know I live in Wetumpka. I plan to come up and catch some of it. Um, you know, make the trip, support what's going on. Uh, this is a really big deal. Um, and as you know, the, the better we perform in these things, the cooler things are going to be that start coming to Birmingham and start coming to Alabama. So, uh, this is a big opportunity for all of us and, and encourage you guys to participate. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time. I know yeah. you're probably the busiest man in Alabama right now. Uh, thanks for carving out a, a slot to talk to us about what's going on there. I really appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity. Uh, more and more, I hear organically about 1819 in your show. So it's catching on all over the place. You're doing great stuff, and we appreciate it very much. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap it up. Um, as we always close with, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Go there, subscribe. Go to 1819news.com, subscribe for the newsletter. Um, and that'll wrap us up. Until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. Mm-hmm.